This is the Build Your Best Family podcast, and today's episode is on setting the bar high so your children will rise with Valley Gideons. We're Carl and Kimberly Amici, and we're here to help you live a life of purpose with the ones you love and become the family you were meant to be. There's no one-size-fits-all when it comes to families. The diversity of family types, interests, beliefs, and values are endless. And sometimes as first-time parents, you may know what you want your family to look like, but then oftentimes things change and it isn't what you imagine. So what do you do then? You can choose to get stuck and stay in a place of discontent and regret, or you can pivot. Understanding your family's culture makes this possible because when you've determined your values and your passions, you can lean into what's important to you and create a new narrative. Today's guest, Valley Gideons, was knocked for a loop when she discovered that not only one, but two of her children were hearing impaired. Thankfully, early in their journey, her and her husband decided that no matter what challenges her children faced, they would set the bar high. Their family culture is not marked by what they can't do, but by what they can do. I love this because as I look back over my childhood, I recognize the times when I didn't pursue something or gave up because I believed a lie about myself. I want the language of my home to encourage each of us, my kids, but also my husband and I as well, to try new things and pursue what we're passionate about. Our guest is here to share her story because she believes it allows others to feel less alone and find strength in their struggle. As you're listening to this, think about what you are telling your family members that will encourage them to overcome the challenges they face. In an organization, regular team meetings are a given. They keep people informed, help them achieve goals, and ensure everyone is on the right track. Weekly family meetings do the same. Not only do they allow you to see if you're spending your time and resources in a way that lines up with your family's values, but it also helps you approach each week with purpose. To help you get started having weekly check-ins with the ones that you love, we've created a free family meeting packet. It includes sample agendas and discussion topics. Head over to www.buildyourbestfamily.com to get your copy. Today, I'm talking with Valley Gideons. Valley is a military bride who writes about raising kids who have cochlear implants and other things from the heart. She's the author of Amazon's number one new release children's book, Now Hear This, Harper Soars with Her Magic Ears. Gideons is both an advocate and a regular speaker. She has a degree in journalism and has been published in numerous publications. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today to tell us your story and about how we can help our children face their challenges and achieve amazing things in life. Thank you for having me. Appreciate being here. Yeah, I, I would love to start off by asking you, what is your family known for? You know, I thought really hard about this question, and I think it depends on who you ask. Okay. (laughs) So we have one identity. We're a military family. Mm -hmm. And we've, most of our uh, military career, we've lived off of a military installation. So we've been like the token active duty military family. Mm -hmm. And then we were, uh, I gave birth to a son who has hearing loss. And then my daughter also has hearing loss. So then I think one of the things that we might be known for is having two kids with hearing loss. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully we're known for a whole lot of other things like 
being fun, joyful, good humans. Yeah. I think really our, as a married couple, it's been kind of the military family with the kids with hearing loss. Yeah. So when people come over your house or you spend time with other people, what can they expect? I think they can expect dogs running everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) They can expect good food on the barbecue. Mm -hmm. They can expect hopefully to feel at home, to open up the cupboards and go get out whatever you want. It's not going to be fancy. Yeah. We're very laid back people and we love people. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure if if people asked, that's probably what they'd say. Because I know that if you love people, they know it for sure. Yeah. So I used to, as an early uh, young officer's wife, felt this pressure for entertaining because mm-hmm. there was kind of this protocol, right? Tea, drinking tea with the pinky up. And, and I just decided early on, that is not me. I mm-hmm. am jeans and flip-flops, come on in, make yourself at home. And I realize there's more people like me than not. Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. All right. You've given us a little bit about your family already and answering that question, but I'd love you to tell us a little bit more about your story and especially why you're here today. Okay. Well, I'm going to just start with, and rather than going back to how I became a military bride, and that's too many years now, we're going (laughs) over two decades now, which is just crazy. But really how our journey began and what I write about and kind of what's become my passion is raising children with hearing loss. Mm -hmm. So how that happened for us is we had no family history. It was not something we had expected or planned for, but our son, when he was born, failed the infant hearing screening. Mm-hmm. So when we, we went back two weeks later for the more extensive, they call it an ABR um, hearing test, we expected to leave that hospital being told it was just fluid and he was fine. Mm-hmm. And that is not what the information that we received. So yeah. after an hour test, we were taken into the little cold room that no parent wants to be invited into. You know the room. Yeah, right. And I called Dr. Lavko. I still can't remember his name to this day. He walked in and said, your son has hearing loss. He'll probably get hearing aids, maybe be a candidate for a cochlear implant, maybe go to mainstream high school. And the rest is a blur. My husband and I were looking at each other like, what? Hearing loss, cochlear what? Like, this was a whole new language for us. So that's kind of how our journey began. And it changed. I mean, I have no idea what it would have been like to raise a child with hearing mm-hmm. or to be a first-time mom. This is the only way I know. But I know for sure it changed our path. Yeah. And so um, then 21 months later, my daughter was also born with the same syndrome. And so having two kids under two with hearing loss was yeah. kind of our story. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine how that would It just change everything. It changes everything that you had envisioned for your family. Well, and I say to people, every parent has an idea of what it's going to be like to be a parent and have a child. Yeah. You know, you kind of picture it in your mind. And obviously we, most of us get that kind of that story based on how we were raised. Usually, you know, you expect you're going to have a family that might look similar to the one you grew up in, but no one 
no one um, ends up getting the story that plays out the way they expected. I mean, I realized I was not that alone. I mean, this was definitely a challenge, but it was not, our story wasn't that unique as far as Mm -hmm. most new parents, it doesn't end up being what they thought. Yeah. But you believe that no matter what challenges our kids faces, that we can set the bar high and they will rise. So talk to us about why you feel so passionate about that. Deaf and hard of hearing children absolutely need accommodations mm-hmm. in order to succeed. So mm-hmm. there's the very tangible, I can make a list of the things that they need in place. Yeah. And in order to be supported. So, but that's not their psychological and emotional side of them, but that's just, yeah. uh, you know, it's in an IEP. It's written, mandated by the state. You must do these things in order to accommodate. Yes. Because, you know, it is hearing loss is considered a disability, even though that's very much debated. Mm-hmm. And um, I won't get into that because that's <laughs> not my fight to fight right now. But uh, my kids don't call my kids don't care if you call it a disability. They really don't care what you call it. It's just right. who they are. And yeah, they're fine with it. But so um, how we came to have that mentality of raising the keeping the bar high was we were so blessed early on it's not by accident we ended up working with one of the best auditory verbal therapists in the country I think now he's renowned in the world Mm -hmm. and so my son was six months old going to auditory verbal therapy and we're sitting we'd go twice a week and he gave us this advice he said he knew my son, his name is Battle. He knew he was smart and curious and engaged, which I thought was amazing that he pointed that out. And that just was another thing that made him such a great therapist is mm-hmm. so all the greatness in my son. And he said, I want you to know this kid is bright and you need to expect him to do great things by keeping the bar high because he'll rise to wherever you set it. Mm. So don't expect the minimum out of him. And I don't mean expect him to get into an Ivy League when he's five years old. I mean that not to measure him against, well, he's, you know, he's pretty smart for a deaf kid or, you know, keeping just keeping the bar high. And that's just kind of the philosophy we took on was that we Mm -hmm. just knew the sky would be the limit. And just always made our kids feel that way. Yeah, that's great. So I would love for you to give us a few examples of like what it means to set the bar high. What does that look like in your life? I think it came early on. Like we never thought our kids couldn't do things. It was just a mentality we... Looking back, it's kind of funny because as a writer, I get a lot of people reaching out to me saying, I didn't even know... Your, my son could play sports when they see a picture of my mm. son on the football field. And honestly, I never really looked at it like what they wouldn't be able to do. I always looked at it like they would be able to do anything like any other kid. So I think mm-hmm. our kids, you know, took that in as they've never really felt like there was anything they couldn't do. Like, yeah. I don't think ever once it's come out that you, you're not allowed to do that because you are deaf or hard of hearing. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, we've just never framed our life that way. Yeah. And I, like I said, my son was, it was 
obvious early on he was really bright. And so we never thought, well, he reads pretty well for a deaf kid. You know, we just kept challenging him and his curiosity was insatiable. So we would just feed into that. And then my daughter came along and she's the same, Mm -hmm. different, but the same as far Mm -hmm. as just, um, they're both very curious. They're the kids when they were little would walk into a room and have to open up every drawer and explore. And yeah, like, um, you know, they wouldn't just sit still and not ask questions. And so I think it was really more of a mindset because that's carried. I'm a, I, I know for sure that that carried on to who they, how they see themselves now as teenagers. Yeah. That it was because we never made them feel like there was anything wrong with them or anything they couldn't do. Yeah. You mentioned mind shift and that is so important. The mindset that you have is going to trickle down to your children and it's going to create the culture that you have in your home. So is that really difficult for you to make that shift? Tell me more about were you discouraged or possibly disappointed and all those things. Was it hard for you to make that leap? Was it hard for you to say, no, my kids will do great things? I think because it was such an unknown territory for us. So I don't think I knew what it could or couldn't look like. And there was no uh, internet resource groups. And, you know, part of the reason I started the platform that I have online Mm -hmm. is to give people a place to come, especially with new diagnosis, to see what is possible. Because I really do believe seeing is believing. Like, Mm -hmm. I think when you can see kids thriving, it can give you hope that your kids, obviously it's going to turn out different because everyone is unique, but Mm -hmm. just being able to see that kids can live a rich, um, fulfilled life, Mm -hmm. even though they have hearing loss, like we don't even look at it like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I changed my mindset to at some point that they didn't need to be fixed. Yeah. And I think that's critical to accept first acceptance Mm -hmm. that they're born exactly the way they were meant to be. Mm -hmm. They do require accommodations. And I mean, it was difficult. It, you know, it's not been easy. However, I can really wholeheartedly look back and know they were, I wouldn't change it. They were designed perfectly how they were supposed to be. And so I think when you don't see it as a takeaway, like of what they've lost, because they don't know they've lost anything. They didn't lose anything, actually. This is how, this is just who they are. Yeah. And so I think um, early on, I did struggle with um, grieving because it was a lot to take on with a newborn. Mm-hmm. Now, no, we were going to, you know, be in therapies three days a week and trips to the audiologist on the weekly and surgeries and trying to keep the devices on. I mean, that's a whole nother story. I mean, yeah. it, just, it wasn't a mainstream motherhood experience, whatever that is. And, but w- just early on, we wanted to give our kids every opportunity. So we just rolled our sleeves up and just got to work. I made it my job. Yeah. So I don't think I really had time to sit around and, and think about much other than just trying to give them the best opportunity, which there was a downside to that as well. You know, I didn't allow myself to feel all the feelings I probably needed to feel at the time. Mm-hmm. And I have lots of parents say, oh my goodness, I feel the same way. Thank you. 
Thank you for letting me know it's okay to feel yeah. a sense of grief or worry or all the emotions that you feel early on. That mm-hmm. you, you know, you'll get through them, but you have to go through them. You can't go under around. You have to experience those feelings. Yeah. So what have you done to protect that culture? There's a lot of other people that want to tell us how to live. A lot of other people want to tell us how to make decisions. And so I can imagine that you've come up against people that have discouraged you or your kids. And so how do you protect your family's culture against that? But there's certain things in our culture that people feel entitled to just tell you what you should do. I don't know if it was our attitude, our personalities, but early on, we were warned that we might come up against people who had serious judgment and disagreement with the choices we were making. And my husband, who he's a colonel in the Marine Corps now, <laughs> but he, he early on said, I don't really care what other people think. This is not their decision to make. Like, I don't care. I'm not actually even interested in hearing their opinions. You would not walk into somebody else's house and tell them how to parent their child. So, you know, we're just not hearing it. I was willing to pivot or course correct or whatever you want to call it. If this road we were going down wasn't working for our kids Mm -hmm. and I was never stuck. And I never thought I knew everything. I all, I, in fact, I felt like I didn't know anything. I knew my kid best. I really did rely on a team of experts Mm -hmm. and then just watching, watching our kids. So you have to be kind of open, but we were definitely not going to let anyone else tell us what to do. Yeah. I think that ability to pivot is really important when it comes to building culture because it gives you confidence in the choices that you are making. Oftentimes we get something stuck in our head and when it doesn't work out the way we thought it did or should, we get discouraged and then we become open to what other people have to say. And it really dilutes the choices we make. It dilutes the culture that we have. I think pivoting is amazingly important, and especially in your situation. Yeah, we're still pivoting. I mean, now we have 13 and 15 year old. I mean, there's a pivot on the daily. Yeah. But we're still true to living with no regrets. And we did the best we could with the information we had at the time we had. I mean, literally, Mm -hmm. my son's 15. Science has changed so much since he was born. It's incredible Mm -hmm. how fast. I mean, you think how often a new iPhone comes out. This is the same for a cochlear implant. The technology is changing and evolving so quickly that you cannot be stuck in one thing one way. Mm -hmm. You have to be open to seeing what the future, you know, the possibilities are incredible. Yeah. So one last question for you. I know that you believe that sharing your story is important and you were talking about your story and how to share it with others. So tell us more about like why it's important and how you've been able to help others. I was a born storyteller. I studied journalism and I was a reporter and a journalist. And so I think I always valued storytelling, but then I kind of put my pen away. And after my son was born and then my daughter, um, my best friends from childhood encouraged me to start writing again. I wanted to have it somewhere how far we had come so we didn't forget. Mm -hmm. So I I think I originally started writing our story for me. And then I decided to hit publish. And when I saw the impact that it had on others, not only did I feel a purpose, but just such a responsibility to use our story to I mean, it's so cliche, but I really do believe it helps people feel less alone. Mm -hmm. And then to give people permission to feel 
certain feelings because I write really raw, really honestly. I don't sugarcoat it when it comes to talking about our military life or raising kids with hearing loss. I mean, there's a lot of hard that comes with that. And I share that as well. So it's not always wrapped up in a pretty bow. Mm-hmm. It's, it's also what I wish would have been available when we were early in this journey. I wish I could have read the tales and stories of, mm-hmm. you know, my daughter and I, I think I shared with you recently, published a book and it's her story. And what an experience. I mean, the most meaningful experience up there in my life was doing this project with my daughter. And to think at 13, she already has a story to tell. Yeah. And it's helping yeah. others. The response we've gotten from people who bought our book and they send me pictures with their kid reading it and saying, my my five-year-old saying, look, she has magic ears like me. <laughs> One little girl says she now wants to be called Nova Harper. My daughter's name is Harper. Mm-hmm. She wants to be the character in the book. Who's mm-hmm. a real person? Yeah. That has taken it to a whole another level of storytelling now, getting to tangibly see the people who are reading Harper's story and being changed by it. Yeah. And she's getting to experience that, which is, I mean, how lucky is she at 13? I know. That's so amazing. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and sharing what you've learned and what you've been through, because I know it helps others. So thank you. I Thank appreciate you for it. having me. You can find Valley at www.mybattlecall.com. She has an engaged community that can also be found on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram as at mybattlecall. I'll link to this and where you can find her book in the show notes. If you would like to connect beyond the podcast, you can find us over on Instagram. It's our favorite place to hang out and share the ups and downs of everyday life, what we get right and what we get wrong too. Plus, we share the family hacks that have helped us build culture along the way. You can find me at Carl Amici. And you can find me at Kimberly Amici. Don't let the pretty pictures fool you. Our family culture is not about perfect. It's about purpose. To learn more about Build Your Best Family, go to buildyourbestfamily.com.